Hi, I'm Abbas Panjwani, and this is a full-fact short investigation into PPE in the first wave of COVID-19. So back in April, Foreign Secretary Dominic Raab gave a press conference as we were going into sort of the, the tail end of the first wave, setting out how the government would make decisions about whether to ease the lockdown. And one of the things that was mentioned was that the government needed to be sure that PPE would meet future demand. And this was alongside other things that were quite easy to communicate, such as falling death rates and falling infection rates. But with PPE, the government never really answered the question about whether we had enough, let alone if we had enough to meet future demand. We heard about new contracts with PPE suppliers and how much PPE had been delivered in terms of the total number of items, but we had no idea whether that was really enough. And there was no data on this. In the absence of the data, there were various reports on individual hospitals or individual health professionals having issues with getting the PPE they needed, but it was really hard to understand the wider picture. So we went out to all the trusts across the UK, asking them how much PPE for different items they had during the first wave, how much they were using, and how many days stock they had left to try and get a better grip of what the situation was really like. So before the pandemic, NHS trusts procured their own PPE. Now, they either did this by going to suppliers directly or they procured it through an organisation called NHS Supply Chain, which is a centralised procurement facility for trusts in England. But faced with both an increased demand for PPE from healthcare systems across the world and a reduced supply, we have to remember that a lot of PPE was being made in China and because of the pandemic starting in China, there was a lot less supply the Department of Health and Social Care decided to essentially centralise this. And rather than having trusts procure their own PPE, they decided to instead push stocks out from a central supply to trusts based on what they thought their need would be. Now, the benefits of this kind of apparent, it prevented or reduced the extent to which trusts were competing on the open market for scarce supplies, potentially pushing up cost or leaving some trusts really, really short. But to make this system work, they really needed to know how much trusts had and how much they were using and how severe their shortages were at any given time for each of the items that they needed. The problem was in March, none of this data was available. When we asked trusts across the UK how much stock they had, only one trust was able to say from the beginning of March how much it had each day and how much it was using. And that was a mental health trust. It wasn't even really involved in treating COVID-19 patients. So it was quite clear that from the start, the central authorities didn't actually have the data that would have made their job easier in terms of allocating this scarce resource. Even once the data started to come in and started to be used, there were problems with it that meant it's hard to see how the central authorities knew what was really going on. We had instances of trusts getting PPE, but then recording that they had none when it came to them kind of feeding that information back. So we also managed to get from uh, the central authorities themselves, from the supply chain, a data set showing how much was being sent out. This was provided to trust to essentially allow them to see that, okay, if they hadn't got enough gowns or gloves or whatever it might be, which trust did have stock potentially and, and which could they reach out to? And what we saw from that is, to give you an example, on the 23rd of March, a, 
foundation trust in Oxford, the Oxford Health Foundation Trust, which is a non-acute trust. Um, so just providing like community-based physical, mental health, social care, received around 5,000 respirators, the highest grade FFP3 respirators, which are worn by health professionals to protect them from becoming infected. The day after it received another 4,000 and the day after that it received another 2,000. Now this was completely sufficient for this sort of trust. Uh, they told us they were using about 200 respirators a day so these stocks would have meant they were supplied for almost two months. But on the 25th of March after they'd received all that stock their own data indicated that they had no FFP3 respirators at all and that is the data that they'd have been feeding back to the supply chain which may have indicated that they needed stock because it looked like they didn't have any and when we asked them why those deliveries didn't show up in its stock tape they told us that initial deliveries went straight to teams across various sites and so weren't accounted for by their central PPE team data collection. Basically if a trust got lots of stock some of it might have gone to a central stock room where then it could have been counted every day but a lot of it was just going to the front line and that wasn't being counted so it was really hard for a central authority to be able to understand whether a trust reporting that they had no stock actually had no stock and was in a real serious issue and needed some or actually it had plenty it was just that it was being spread across its you know frontline uh, settings healthcare settings so each trust is using data differently each trust had different ways of collecting the data most were collecting data based on what they had in central stock rooms but some were also doing counts at the healthcare settings so we had some data coming in which clearly showed we have this much at this specific uh, you know healthcare setting especially you know community healthcare uh, providers which don't operate just out of one or two big regional uh, district hospitals they operate out of lots of healthcare settings were counting all of that but it meant there was yeah inconsistency between them which wouldn't have made it any easier for the NHS supply chain to to work out what was needed where and yes this wasn't an isolated problem this was kind of endemic you had lots of trusts showing that they had zero stock and then when we went to approach them and say what was really happening here they said no we had stock it was just that it wasn't in our central stock room or our set systems weren't set up at that point to to record everything that we had and so we heard from the national audit office the data was not there to make kind of efficient decisions or, or, or decisions based on correct intelligence well throughout the the first wave Tell us about the gown shortage. One thing to be aware of is that there are lots of different types of gowns. Not all gowns are created equal and they're used for different purposes. Fluid repellent long sleeve gowns, which offer the highest protection, were really, really short. There was only one company in the UK who could make the material needed for them. One issue we found, though, was that all the data on gowns was just consolidated. There was no indication from the data as to how much of the fluid repellent long sleeve gowns are being sent out, how much of the fluid resistant, which are a lesser quality gown, not to say that they're bad, but they're just used for different purposes, were being sent out. And similarly, when trusts were asked to tell the supply chain how many gowns they had left, they weren't able to discriminate between these different types, which meant that for the most important item in terms of the shortages, there wasn't a clear kind of comprehensive way in which the supply chain would have been able to say, okay, for these gowns, these trusts need them and these trusts should be okay for a short period of time or whatever that might be. We, we noticed that Kettering of all the trusts seemed to have 35,000 gowns being procured across late April and early May, which far exceeded the stock at most other trusts. And when we went and approached them and said, why did you have so many? They said, well, these were mostly 
long sleeve thumb loop gowns, which actually are referred to as aprons by many other trusts. There was inconsistency with how these types of items were being reported. So a trust could have looked like it had lots of stock of something that was of critically short supply, but in fact didn't have much at all. So there's a lot we know now that we didn't know in the first wave or couldn't know in the first wave. What do we still not know? The questions that we still don't really have answers to, unfortunately, are how severe this shortage was. One thing that we noticed when we got the data that we did get back was that for most items, most trusts had, let's say, five days supply for most of that period, which could appear as if okay, well, that's that's fine. But one thing we know that even with the data they were providing, if a trust had five days of stock, that could have indicated it was rationing. It could have indicated that the supplies it had were maybe not as good quality as they should have been. So there were still problems with the data that was coming in, in the sense that it didn't tell the full picture. Now, data can't always tell the full picture. And as I said, there was engagement between the supply chain and trust as to what they needed and how severe the shortages were getting. But one thing we heard again and again from trusts and from people within the NHS supply chain and the Department of Health and Social Care was that no trusts ran out as if this was, you know, an achievement. But one thing that was quite clear was that trusts were rationing. The fact that you didn't run out completely doesn't mean that you didn't have problems. There was an article written by the chief executive of NHS providers, which represents all the trusts uh, in England, which I think was quite admirably honest by saying that even if a trust has these items, it doesn't mean that it's not running out and it's right to describe these as shortages. But we're still seeing at select committees, members of Department of Health and Social Care saying there were no shortages or no trust run out, sorry, which is potentially misleading and reflects the fact that the data that we had was maybe not sufficient enough to be able to answer that question. And when the government says that it is basing its decision on whether to change public policy with respect to lockdowns in part based on whether there is enough PPE I think it's sort of on the government to have a clear way in which it's assessing that and communicating that to the public because this is a decision that affects all of us. 